Welcome to Stork Storytime Talks with the North Liberty Library. Are you expecting or thinking of starting a family? If so, this podcast is for you. Delivering literacy one topic at a time. Hi, my name is Jennifer Jorderbrook and I'm the Assistant Director at the North Liberty Community Library. Hi, I'm Melanie Harrison and I'm the Marketing and Events Coordinator here at the Library. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mercy Iowa City. While we're delivering literacy, they're delivering babies. And speaking of babies, the journey to parenthood has many paths in addition to what people may think of as the traditional route. Other options include adoption, frozen embryos, in vitro fertilization, and surrogacy, which is our topic for today. We'd like to welcome our guest speaker, Brenda. She's an expecting mom and is graciously willing to share with us her surrogacy story. Thanks for taking some time to talk with us, Brenda. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So I guess we can start by saying how I kind of heard about your story. Absolutely. Um, I was working a Wednesday evening and Brenda came in to sign up for the uh, the Reads program, uh, Stork Storytime Reads, which was kind of the 100 books at that point, but we've rebranded it. So, um, And she just sort of shared some of her story with me and I just thought that this was a, you know, a great topic and... Um, something that a lot of people would probably find useful. So Brenda, tell us how you started your journey. Um, As when I was a child and in my early adulthood, I had medical issues that affected my, uh, the safety mostly of me either um, being pregnant, delivering a child, and even potentially using my eggs. Um, So my husband and I had looked at both adoption and surrogacy. In the case of adoption, uh, we looked at both international and domestic. In those cases, normally you're, uh, you do not go through the journey with the individual. You are normally um, meeting someone who is perhaps quite far into their pregnancy. They've made a very difficult decision perhaps to place their child for adoption. And every state has laws that protect that individual. Um, So in case they change their mind, they are able to actually at the time of birth, they're able to retract really that agreement that they have. That is very disheartening for many parents Um, and we thought that the better route for us would maybe be surrogacy. It's something that um, we had not looked into much. Um, We had looked into adoption much more, but surrogacy, because of what we were looking for, we thought maybe might be the better route. Um, We decided to research first, which I would encourage everyone to do. Um, I have taken information from our egg donor and our surrogate, and I'm going to give some information that they contributed as well about how someone can go about um, being an egg donor if they're interested, being a surrogate, or as an intended parent, I'm here to speak a little bit about what's involved in making these choices along the way. So the first thing that we had to do was choose a fertility clinic. We went with the Infertility Center um, in St. Louis, and that was based on um, recommendations, obviously reviews, um, 
the fact that the reproductive endocrinologist there, Dr. Sherman Silber, is known as a reproductive specialist really around the world and has um, actually invented many of the techniques that are used for freezing eggs, embryos, and doing ovary um, trans transplants and things like that. So we wanted to go with a clinic that um, has someone who had a lot of experience and could show that over time they had had many successes. So we went with that clinic. The first thing you would have to do is meet with the individual. Now at this clinic, he is the only person who is your reproductive endocrinologist, is what normally those individuals are called. So he is a medical doctor who specializes in reproduction. And my husband and I met with him and discussed our scenario, and he told us exactly what we would need to do to be able to have a child. And in our case, he um, suggested that surrogacy with the use of an egg donor using IVF to fertilize the surrogate, obviously, um, would be probably the best route for us. So from that appointment, I will say very honestly, and for any intended parents out there, um, it's important to understand that there are a lot of costs, a lot of fees that go into this. So to be honest, after our appointment that day, we were actually quite discouraged. Mm -hmm. um, we thought, looking at the numbers on the paper, that this was not going to be something that we would ever be able to do. Um, it took time to save the money. It can also mean for people loans. And many fertility clinics do work with some type of organization that offers some degree of loans, but usually will not cover the whole amount. So in our situation, he said um, there are two types of surrogacy, traditional and gestational surrogacy. Traditional is the case in which the person who is donating the egg is also the person who will carry it, meaning the surrogate is actually the biological mother of the child they will then be carrying for intended parents. Many doctors um, shy away from dealing with traditional surrogacy. They will completely maybe refuse even um, you as a patient. There are a lot of psychological and emotional issues that go into traditional surrogacy that um, are not exactly the same as those that are involved in gestational. So in speaking with him, he said that he would only work uh, with a gestational surrogate. So that would mean for us that we would need an egg donor and we would need someone to carry the baby, our surrogate. Um, there are many resources to find your egg donor and your surrogate. There's one particular website I like um, because it's independent, it is not an agency. My husband and I did not go through an agency for any of this. We wanted to go through this in a very personal way. We wanted to get to know our egg donor and our surrogate. We wanted them to be involved, meaning starting from the beginning of this process through our child's life. We wanted the person to be comfortable um, with our child knowing the part that they played in their creation. 
So finding a good fit or match in our case was something that took a lot of time and a lot of research and a lot of communication with many different people. So we went through um, hundreds of profiles for both egg donors and surrogates. The first step was to get an egg donor. There's a particular website I like, um, findsurrogatemother.com. The actual address or the name of the website is a bit misleading only because on there you will find egg donors, sperm donors, and also you will find surrogates. So it's not just for surrogates. It's not just to find a surrogate. And I would recommend um, this website because it's independent, not affiliated with an agency, and individual people who are interested in being egg donors, who have experience as egg donors, can post profiles on there. Um, and there are fees involved, very minimal fees involved with posting your profile and as an intended parent, if you want to go and look in, at details about individuals, then you also pay. They try to control um, the people who are on there and to make sure, obviously, um, that you are serious about the process and that you are not randomly contacting people. So they have your contact information as well. So everyone is held very accountable. Um, like I said, it's not an agency. It is a platform website where individuals um, who meet any of those in those criteria in those categories that I mentioned, they can go ahead and post their information. So us as intended parents, we posted a profile. Then we looked under the egg donor category for a profile of someone we may want to contact. As I said, we went through hundreds of people. We did come um, come up with um, basically a form document that we wanted to send to each of the potential matches and it included information um, about our background, a little bit about our fertility situation, our experience with children, our thoughts about a donation, the way that we wanted to handle it with our child and so forth. Um, both egg donors and surrogates will be very impressed with something like this because they're normally um, accustomed to getting an email that says something like, are you available? <laughs> so our egg donor specifically said, uh, because she was an ex she's an experienced egg donor, had donated um, twice before donating for us, she said, normally you will get a very short message from someone. So when this document came in and there was just all this information about you know, especially the, the thoughts about surrogacy, about this journey, about the kind of relationship you want, the future. She said, I really didn't know what to think. She said, I, I was impressed, but I was wondering if it was like spam. I wondered mm. if it was something, oh. <laughs> that, something that I should not have received. She said, but I read through it again and and uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll just contact them and see. So that was the beginning of an amazing relationship with our egg donor, Mandy. Um, now on these websites that you'll find, uh, I do not suggest that people immediately go to agency websites. It's fine to use an agency, but before doing that, I think it's important for people to learn a great deal about this topic in general. So, 
After um, contacting Mandy, she contacted us back, wanted to uh, get to know us a little better. So that was an exchange of emails and then um, for a matter of months uh, to get to know each other better and also um, very specifically and very importantly to us for her to be someone who was in our child's life long term. That's what we were looking for. Um, that is not necessary. It's not right for everyone. But in our situation, we wanted to do all the legwork. We wanted to do each step of this process. And part of what we want our child to know is that we put in the research and the effort. It mm -hmm. wasn't a matter of paying someone to do it all for us. Mm -hmm. So we developed relationships with people. And then from there, these people have become extended family to us mm -hmm. absolutely and their family um, their families have become um, good friends of ours as well so um, Mandy is our uh, friend utmost friend and our egg donor um, she had donated twice before once in an agency context the other to um, a known uh, intended parent and in that situation um, there were two embryos, which is pretty typical, that were transferred to Michelle, the surrogate, and she ended up having triplets. Um, after we met Mandy, um, we knew that for many reasons through our communication that she was going to be the person that was right for us, who was going to go on this journey with us. And I say journey because if you're doing this without an agency, you're the person who's taking care of arranging appointments um, when she needs to go somewhere for treatment. You need to do the hotel and the meals and the transportation. You have to do all of that, whereas with an agency, that would all be taken care of. But part of the process and really the journey part of this it are all of the little, what people think are minute details, but all of those things help grow a relationship and sure. have made us much closer to both our egg donor and surrogate. So she had to meet our reproductive endocrinologist, um, have um, several types of testing done. You can read online about what the qualifications are in general for egg donors. Um, they're very similar across um, different agencies and different clinics. So there were some, there was some testing done. Um, he discussed with her because she was an experienced donor. She had already had um, several uh, gen genetic testing, psychological mm -hmm. testing. She had that already, which is a benefit to using someone who um, is an experienced donor. Uh, however, experienced donors are um, more expensive. Uh, they, mm. they have a higher fee normally for compensation than would a first-time donor. Um, she is a proven donor, meaning that from her eggs that were fertilized with the sperm from who, whomever it might have been in the case, that there have been live births as a result of those particular embryos. Okay. Um, she was cleared by our... Um, RE, Dr. Sherman Silver, and 
Our first meeting with him, my husband and I, was September of 2016. And interestingly, our baby is uh, due at the end of this month, September 29th of 2018. (laughs) So you can tell that this process is not something that happens fast. Um, Actually, ours went quite smoothly, I would say. But many people are in this for many years. This is something Mm -hmm. that is not... Um, like a traditional conception and um, pretty normal regular pregnancy. This is much more than that. Um, So to give you a timeline, September 2016, we met with the doctor. Then um, a few months later, Mandy came with us to meet the doctor, and we discussed um, our relationship, for one thing, because we were going about this without an agency. Uh, to make sure everyone was comfortable with the process and for her to understand the risks um, and the medication she would have to take in order to donate. And then in March of 2017, she donated. Um, in order to donate, uh, you need to be uh, put on birth control pills to regulate your menstrual cycle. And then after that, there are um, hormone injections that you take. And those can be up to, she said, um, around 20 to 30 injections over a period of a few weeks. So mm-hmm. once the cycle is regulated, then those are injections that you do yourself. A nurse um, at the clinic teaches you how to do them, and you do them at home. Again, someone who is an experienced donor, you have the benefit of knowing that they've been through this before, that if they've been successful, that means that likely they follow the instructions and they took the medications as prescribed. That is another benefit of Mm -hmm. having someone who has um, gone through this process before. And at that point, we had talked to a few people um, who we thought may be carriers for us, so so a gestational surrogate. Um, The one individual who uh, we would most likely have worked with was a close friend of my husband and myself, and um, we had talked to her about this process, and she was very interested, but um, she was not sure if she was done having her own children, so her Mm -hmm. and her husband decided after speaking about this that it was in the best interest to not be our surrogate at that time. So that being the case, um, we waited, and Mandy did know that we were looking for a surrogate. We had contacted, again, over 100 easily people, and um, no one felt like a great fit. So we kept contacting people, and we kept waiting. Mandy, um, amazing as she is, uh, talked to Michelle, who she had worked with before in carrying the triplets for a couple Um, live in Europe and she said I really think you're a great match for these people I really think that you want the same things you you have this very similar thoughts about parenting styles the birthing process everything just seems to really mesh and I really think that you should you should reach out Mm -hmm. and you should contact this this couple and Michelle said um, I didn't plan on being a surrogate the first time. It was an experienced surrogate who was a friend of hers who was unable to carry for a couple. And she um, told Michelle, you know, have you ever considered this? Um, you have your wonderful health, very active, eat wonderfully. You're exactly the kind of person someone would want. Mm-hmm. You're definitely qualified to be a surrogate. 
And so even the first surrogacy with the triplets was something that she had never even thought of doing. It was not something she was looking to do. Um, so when this opportunity came her way, um, she carried the triplets, and it was a wonderful experience for her. But she never planned on being a surrogate again. <laughs> but Mandy, our friend Mandy, <laughs> <Smooth> talker, <laughs> she hounded, as I hear it, Michelle, and said, have you contacted them yet? She'd go visit her, and she'd say, um, uh, have you given any more thought to being a surrogate again for that couple I told you about <laughs> in Iowa? And she said, Mandy, I just really don't know what I want to do another surrogacy. She said, it's it's a lot of work. She said, it's, sure. it's, it's a job. Mm -hmm. It's a job. You are growing and protecting someone else's child. They are depending on you. She said, and with the triplets, you know, there are there were additional things that needed to be done, a lot of additional specialists involved. So multiples obviously are more common in situations where um, more than one embryo is transferred. But amazingly, Mandy did talk her into sending an email. And so she sent an introductory email to us and we read it and knew right then. We mm -hmm. knew then that she was exactly the person, if she was willing to do it. Yeah. In her email, <laughs> she clearly said that I do not know, and I'm not agreeing to be a surrogate. I do not know if I want to do this again or not, but Mandy thought I should contact you. So we gave her kind of similar information as we put, um, as we gave our egg donor. So just a nice background about ourselves and what we were um, looking for as far as the relationship was concerned. Um, and uh, May 7th, an important day, was the proposal day, my husband oh. and I call it. And that is when, after communicating for many months, uh, Michelle said, I have talked it over with my family, I've thought about this a lot, and would you like me to be your surrogate? <laughs> and you're like, yay! And, <laughs> So it's giving me we goosebumps. Have, <laughs> we have a picture of our faces. We actually took a selfie Aww. of our faces at that moment when we read that email. Aww. And it was uh, absolutely amazing. I know. I'm getting ready to tear up. <laughs> I know. That is an awesome story. <laughs> so uh, before anything could be done, we thought it was important to meet Michelle. And she wanted to meet us as well in person and spend some time together. So all of us, including our egg donor, because Mandy and Michelle, from the last surrogacy, they had remained friends, which isn't always the case, but it was here. Um, and so all of us went to Michelle's house for a long weekend and spent time together, spent time with her family. She has a young daughter. And even in the way that we interacted with her young daughter, she was evaluating, of course, she was evaluating us as um, what kind of parents would these people be, and I think myself, if I were a surrogate, I know I would want mm -hmm. to know that um, people, it's not just about meeting qualifications on paper, mm -hmm. but can this person, this person really have a passion for children, is this something that's a, that's a good choice for them, mm -hmm. and um, in what way um, are they going to, you know, handle things in the future, perhaps? So that August trip, um, that was August of the of 2018. Um, so a year ago, 17, oh, 2017, 2017. Sorry, <laughs> all of us were together, um, and then 
um, in the next few months, she came to St. Louis. We all met again with the doctor, and he had to approve her as a surrogate. Uh, she was approved, and then in January 2018, they did um, an embryo transfer, two embryos of nine that were created. Uh, let me explain a little bit about the egg donation process. Um, hormone injections and they stimulate follicles so they can harvest a great number of eggs at one time. So this is under anesthesia and it's a process where they're aspirated with a needle-like device and then they obviously go to the lab and of those eggs that are retrieved, which in our case were in the 20s, of those retrieved, about half of them survive. Um, and then about another half of them, after you have fertilized those eggs, about another half of them survive. So you keep kind of dividing by two as you go through each stage in this process. And some people um, are lucky just to end up with one in some cases, or just a couple. Um, frozen embryos of good quality that could potentially lead to an, an implantation in a pregnancy. Um, in our case, we have nine that ended up um, coming through the entire process, and so they are stored at the facility that we worked through. And um, to give you a little bit of an idea, um, for Michelle to be a surrogate, over a 17-week period, that's before and after the transfer, is what they call it, of two embryos. She to, um, had approximately 130 injections. Mm -hmm. That was after mm -hmm. uh, her cycle being regulated with birth control pills. It's important to note that um, there is not, um, there's not strict, um, research that has been done on exactly what the effect of any of these medications are in women long term, including egg donors, how many times should they donate, um, will they run out of eggs, there are a lot of questions that egg donors have. So if they're young, relatively young, and normally you would want to choose someone who's under 30 because at 30 eggs do significantly begin to age. So if a young person donates, let's say, you know, five times, um, people, there really is no research out there telling us exactly, you know, how many times it's healthy for a young woman, or if she's wanting to conceive children herself, how many times should she donate, and then is there a risk involved? So egg donation and surrogacy, neither one of them are things that should be thought of as a money maker. Um, there's a great deal of risk that these individuals are um, putting themselves and their bodies at risk. They're putting themselves at risk emotionally, psychologically, in all of those ways. And it's important to understand all of that before you even think about maybe uh, looking into egg donation or surrogacy. In February, after transferring two embryos, um, each embryo, if the transfer is done well, which depends on the clinic you go to, um, of the two, each has about a 50%. In, in a case with good quality eggs, or excellent quality eggs was in our case, um, usually each has a 50% chance of being uh, implanting. So medication is given for the body to not reject the eggs and to promote the environment in the uterus that is favorable for implantation.
Um, in our case, um, 50 and 50 does not equal 100 in this situation. So if you have a probability of um, you know, 0 0.50 that this, this particular eggplant plant and a separate 0 0.50 for the other one, um, you have a bit of well, one in two chance of really anything happening, any implantation any that occurs. So at, um, of the two that they transferred, one ended up implanting. And then you do not know if um, you have, how many have implanted, if any have split, until you go um, for uh, your eight week, around eight weeks, there is an ultrasound for confirmation of pregnancy. Before then, they do HCG levels by drawing blood. And so we knew she was pregnant, but you don't know the specifics because of multiple pregnancy, um, the likelihood being much higher in this case. We did get confirmation that we had one baby and at eight weeks, so we have that was our first ultrasound. Um, and then uh, we have been going to some of the appointments, not all. Um, she does not live um, in Iowa or near here. So each time that she has an appointment, um, we obviously communicate on that day, but uh, we try to go to as many appointments as we can, but we can't get to all of them. Um, in May, we had our 20-week appointment. So that's when they look for any kind of abnormalities. They're looking that all of the baby's major organs um, are in place. Um, that obviously they have their appendages, things like that. So any abnormalities are caught usually at that uh, stage. All of us, including Mandy, went together. And this was at um, once you're through with the infertility clinic and they do uh, the procedure of transferring. Then the surrogate um, is then taken care of by her OBGYN. Mm. So that trans the care transfers over to that person just as if it were um, uh, just a naturally occurring pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so we were all together at uh, 20 weeks and we're able to see very detailed. They have 2D and 3D. We did um, to see the baby. We could see all the movements, um, but none of us uh, know the sex of the baby. Ben oh. and I did not care to know. It didn't matter to us. It doesn't matter. Um, Mandy didn't want to know, and Michelle did. But when the ultrasound tech um, went over, the area where the genitalia was, she did not say anything because all of us were in the room. So Michelle isn't sure if she saw an umbilical cord or a penis and we're having a boy. <laughs> so everyone has guessed boy. All of us okay. independently have guessed what this, uh, the sex of this baby is. And we all, uh, and I mean even like extended family, everything, they all think it's a boy. Yeah. So if it is, then we welcome a boy. If it's a girl, then we would be very surprised. We welcome you as well. It's hard to read those pictures. You can't, I mean, they have to point things out and you're still like. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So it, it wasn't, and she didn't take any photos in that particular area that she okay. gave to us. She, she kept those aside. Mm -hmm. So uh, we didn't know. And then um, you can, even in the case of surrogacy, um, have a baby shower, have any kind of celebration, photographs, anything that you may normally have. Um, and through this process, because we wanted it to be um, very 
hands-on. We wanted to be able to be with Michelle, speak with her every day, send, uh, we read to the baby, sing to the baby, and send them mm-hmm. via voice mm-hmm. memo every single night, my husband and I, mm-hmm. so the baby knows our voice. Yeah, that's awesome. And mm-hmm. we wanted someone, um, before we could agree to go to get, go through this process together, we had to agree on many things, and that some, some of which were um, birthing, or the, let's start with pregnancy. Um, how she was going to go about treating her body during pregnancy. And some of that has to do with how you feel, maybe as the intended mother, how you feel you would, um, the things you would do to um, carry through a healthy pregnancy. So things to us that were important, um, and these are all in a contract. Things to us were um, already she had a great lifestyle. That was important to us. Um, We beyond base compensation that you give a surrogate there's also additional expenses um, beyond that and some of those can be completely of your choosing which in our case some of those expenses were we've given her an additional allowance monthly so that she can buy all organic groceries and that she can eat completely organic Mm -hmm. Um, we have um, extra allowances for her to have acupuncture um, chiropractic adjustments which can be very helpful especially now she had one today and it helps move the baby down into the pelvis so um, that went very well today but she said it's uh, the baby's very wiggly (laughs) but it feels like you know that it's helped Um, we also wanted her to be able to have prenatal massage we wanted to her to attend um, prenatal yoga so those are a few of uh, many things that need to go in a contract so all of that is something that you're agreeing upon not not on paper not that you agree face to face or in an email this is on paper Um, through um, a a lawyer that is familiar, must be very familiar, with surrogacy law. And all of those things are spelled out in the contract. Contracts tend to be 30, maybe, pages long. And um, they include everything from the base compensation, as I talked about. Uh, Base compensation in general would be somewhere um, for first-time surrogate would be somewhere around $25,000 is kind of what the average quoted amount would be. But with each subsequent surrogacy, um, that raises by at least $10,000. In a situation where you're not going through an agency, as in our situation, because of that, um, that individual, our surrogate, can set whatever fee that she um, believes that is, is fair, uh, what she wants, and you know, we have to meet that obligation. So it's paid in monthly installments. Um, besides for the base compensation, you have to pay monthly fees for the person traveling to their doctor's appointments. Um, for the inconvenience of them needing to take off time from work to go to mm. doctor's appointments. If they need so to be things. put on bed rest, um, if they need to just be taken out of work, not necessarily in bed rest, but the, um, their OB feels that it is in their best interest not to be working. It could be relatively early in the pregnancy, you know, 20 some weeks, 30 weeks. You have to pay the salary of that individual that they would be normally making, um, regardless of the fact that they may be getting that if they work for a company and they have Uh sick leave, you have to pay 
compensate them for any time that they have to take off um, because of a doctor's recommendation. So there are all these costs <clears throat> that come up that people, they see 25000 maybe we can afford that. That is the very, very sure. minimum. Um, you're looking at easily $10,000 in legal fees. You must cover all of the legal uh, fees for your egg donor, your surrogate. Um, if those individuals have partners, they need to be involved as well in signing off that the child, they are not going to try to um, you know, claim uh, custody of the child, anything like that. So. Every time these people travel, you need to pay all their expenses. So, and then you have to pay your fertility clinic. They're the ones performing these very, very delicate, very highly skilled uh, procedures. So, uh, one of the questions that had um, that Jennifer had um, sent to me was about the you know estimated amount um, that a surrogacy would cost. And I think in general, um, after talking to many people who are what they call intended parents, uh, meaning you have a surrogate who is caring for you, um, you can take whatever the base compensation is for that individual, and I would say it would be safe to assume that you could at least double that. And um, if the person needs to leave work, um, you could even, it could go far beyond doubling it. So the consideration um, when considering the financial aspects of surrogacy, definitely you don't take into consideration that base compensation. That really is not an accurate representation of what, uh, what you're going to be financially responsible for. Um, we even went through things uh, like the birthing. Um, we felt strongly about her having a natural birth. She is an individual who has only had natural births in the past with her own children, and um, that made her a good fit for us. Some people, that is not their choice or preference, so those are things that you need to talk about ahead of time before mm -hmm. that document is ever drawn up. Um, any kind of parenting decisions you make or medical decisions for your child. Uh, if there's any disagreement involving that, uh, especially if you want to maintain a relationship with this person, mm -hmm. it's important that you get all that out, all up front. Um, at our baby shower in June, everyone came. Um, Mandy was there, uh, Michelle, our families, and that was when she was about six months pregnant. Uh, we just saw her this past week at her 37-week appointment, so we're getting closer. Very close. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with the, in the baby shower, we have a very good friend who is a photographer in the area. I will definitely say her name to promote her, Portraits by Gina. If you with families probably know her. She's mm -hmm. the most popular photographer I in this area. I saw your photo on her page. <laughs> yeah. So she did the first, of she ever had done, a surrogacy maternity oh, shoot. Mm -hmm. So we have these amazing, incredible images to remember this time in this journey. 
Um, we have even a generational photo. So you think, you know, just because you're not the one carrying the baby. Well, I had my grandmother, my mother, and I was standing right next to Michelle, who has the little fourth generation baby in there. So um, Michelle also, we uh, established ahead of time that we wanted to be able to touch her belly, uh, talk to her belly, we wanted to be able to be actively involved in the birthing process. We wanted to be in the room. We wanted to have access to see the baby coming out, all of that. Mm-hmm. And that obviously is not okay with everyone. So again, something you have to discuss before you even go down So many things road. you don't even think about as being, you know, when you're yeah. preparing for that. But So I would say to- if you're not using an agency, the most important characteristics to have as an individual each individual person. Uh, Maturity is huge. Uh, Must be a very mature person who knows exactly what they want, who has done the research and is absolutely certain that they want to participate in this journey with you. So I'm talking about every person, the egg donor, uh, your surrogate, your spouse, if that's the case, Um, any kinds of support network you have. Everyone has to be all in. Uh, for this to to ever work and be a positive experience. So you need support from friends, family, whoever mm-hmm. you consider that to be. Sometimes uh, your biological family isn't necessarily your support group. It doesn't have to be. You can have, um, there are uh, support groups in the community. Um, there are also people who have wonderful friends who they would consider just as much family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So having people to encourage you to be excited for you along the way is important because just because I am not carrying our child, I am still getting to experience the things that a mother which I am, and Michelle will clearly tell you she's not the mother, mm-hmm. and Mandy will clearly tell you she is not the mother of our child. Yeah. And um, very important thing for people to understand, and that's where this maturity aspect comes in. Communication, absolutely up there mm-hmm. at the top. Um, you have to share your positive thoughts, your negative thoughts, Uh, If you are upset about something, if you're questioning something, you have to be open people. I think people who just tend to be more open, willing to share, those probably are people who are better suited for a situation of doing this independently. Mm -hmm. Perhaps through an agency where they do have counselors and other individuals to consult with who really do a lot of that back and forth Mm -hmm. communication for you, that may be a better choice for people who um, believe that they may not want to go about it in the way that we specifically did. Mm -hmm. That's an extra layer of responsibility if if you're going an independent route. So absolutely. Um, One name I will give also an attorney in this area, First person you should think of when you're looking at any fertility law is Lori Clockow. And I will have Jennifer add that name as well with her permission. I will call Lori. She did our egg donation contract for us. And then um, Michelle's attorney did her contract because it's specific by state. So every state has different laws regarding surrogacy. Um, egg donation is 
Uh, regardless of where someone lives in the United States, egg donation is usually something that's considered acceptable and you can find a clinic somewhere that will um, either if you want to donate or you're an, a parent and you have an egg donor that you um, are looking for them to do a no donation. Normally that's something that's not regulated, but mm -hmm. surrogacy is. And there are websites that I also have you um, include with this that gives a map of the U.S. and it shows each state and where they are in the process of being surrogacy friendly, we call it, mm. to completely prohibiting surrogacy altogether. Iowa is an interesting state. Uh, you'll see it's yellow on the map, kind of a caution state. That means that um, fertility law, there isn't anything specific on paper about surrogacy, but there is enough precedent um, for surrogacies to be able to, thus far, um, be carried out legally and successfully. Uh, Lori Klockow is the person who has the most experience with this, um, one right up there within our entire state. She is involved um, with many different organizations, including fertility organizations that are for lawyers. So she is really up on all of this information and she is um, heavily involved even at the state level with um, infertility law. Now in the case with um, our surrogate, she had an attorney in her state because it's state dependent. Where the baby is born is where the law um, comes into play. So in her state, we have an attorney there. Um, she's Michelle's attorney who drew up the contract. We had to have a separate attorney, so no conflict of interest, mm -hmm. to simply review the surrogacy agreement, make any changes back and forth, back and forth, until it becomes the final document with all the signatures. Um, one thing to remember, if you live in Iowa um, and you're looking to work with a surrogate, um, definitely that map will be helpful because before you go searching for a surrogate, it's important to know that some states, you may find someone's profile and they're from a state that actually prohibits surrogacy. So in that case, that would not be an option for them to even be involved in surrogacy. Um, I asked both our egg donor and surrogate to give me uh, websites that they think are the first place that you should go um, if you're considering being an egg donor or surrogate, and I'll have Jennifer post those as well, um, the most important thing they both believe to learn about before you decide if you would like to become one, if you need one, is to research. And the research, you should not, you should not Google in egg donation or surrogacy simply because all that will bring up are your top results of your infertility clinics and your agencies that pay that fee to show up first mm -hmm. when you Google. Mm -hmm. You want to put things in like uh, psychological aspects of surrogacy, psychological aspects of egg donation, emotional aspects, physical risks of these things. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things you want to look at because when you get down to it, there are so many things that are happening to a woman's body in these cases with two women's bodies, in our case, um, that is to be taken very, very seriously. As with any pregnancy, um, 
risk of disability and death is also a possibility. And that's something that um, Michelle, we were talking about the fact that we were going to do this podcast. And and she said to make sure that I um, gave that some emphasis is that you you have to understand this person is doing uh, an amazing thing for you. They're giving you um, egg donors, surrogates, giving you gifts that um, otherwise you would not be able to experience parenthood if you did not have. But with those things come a great deal of risk. So um, our situation has has been excellent. Our experience has been excellent. And I would be very um, happy to help anyone who has questions about this, wants more specific information about, it could be the clinic we used. Um, I will not provide any more specific information about the um, individuals Mm -hmm, who we're working with at this time. Um, But anything else that you can think of, even down to infertility treatments that are available, because through this, you learn a great deal about that. Things that a lot of people don't know are available today. Um, uh, This journey overall has been incredible, amazing. We have added two amazing women and their families to our family. Um, It is the most amazing feeling to know that after all this time, through all of the things uh, health-wise that I went through um, in childhood, um, knowing that this could be a problem, um, reproduction could be an issue for me in the future, knowing that even as a teenager, and then into my early 20s, um, having problems that, again, would prevent me from being able to carry, um, this is the most amazing precious um, gift not just our baby Mm -hmm. but we already have received the gift of true sincere friendship and love from two people who are in the process that Mandy has done her part Michelle's still doing her part still we're all in this process together and we are all planning including um, our photographer who did our maternity shoot is planning to be at the birth Mm -hmm. so that we will all be working together as a team and we call uh, we have a name for our team (laughs) that secret so team blah blah Uh, we will all be there i'll be helping i'll be coaching michelle um, through this process and even the postpartum period to be supportive to her during that time too. So the, the investment of time um, that we have put into this is something that's important to us because we believe it to be part of our child knowing uh, their knowing the way they were created, um, the person who nurtured and sure. grew them, um, and the kind of amazing gift and generosity of these women who made, who are going to make us parents. So um, I could not imagine um, a smoother, I would say, journey. Uh, we are. Perhaps I think we are one of the exceptions to the rule. Normally, um, throughout this process, at some point, 
there can be complications um, in communication, whatever might be the case. Um, in our case, because we are all very open with each other and share any frustrations, concerns, sadness, whatever we may be feeling that day, because we do that, I think that was key in um, going through this process. And so in a few weeks, I'm going to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And um, many people say uh, the surrogacy route, um, well, you know, technically, uh, Mandy is your child's mother. They use that word. Um, and <clears throat> they often, she's their biological mother, and Michelle is their birth mother. Sometimes mm -hmm. they use terminology like that. And you, you do have to be working people who, who can wrap their head around the a healthy way of looking at this. Mm -hmm. And some people this is definitely not right for. That's important to emphasize. Uh, but the people who do, they need to understand that they are, they are a piece of a puzzle. It's mm -hmm. being put together and lovingly completed. They are... Um, they will both tell you they I am the mother of this child I always have been the mother of this child they are people who aided us and this child coming to earth is really more the way they mm -hmm. look at it mm -hmm. so Mandy will be Miss Mandy mm -hmm. and our child will know her as Miss Mandy even early on they will be shown photos of her they will visit with her um, phone calls text even contributing in that way mm -hmm. and as they um, each as each year goes by there'll be a little more whatever is developmentally appropriate to explain to them about the role that this person whose voice they know whose face they know photograph they can recognize and Michelle same thing they will know exactly the part that these people played um, I will say that people worry about surrogacy because they wonder how do you explain that to your child? Um, you know, egg donation. How do you explain that someday? You know, or should we should we keep this um, you know secret from our child? Um, many people and even doctors will encourage people to not tell their children um, when they have an egg or sperm donor. We were of the opposite opinion very much so, and partly um, because my background, bachelor's and master's, are in education and psychology. So my, um, my understanding of how to go about explaining this to our child in a healthy way, mm -hmm. my, um, my formal training and my just years of experience as a teacher, a professor, everything has um, given, given me the ability to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. How do you do that when a child a year old versus two versus mm -hmm. 15? Right. Um, but with the technology we have today, there's really no way to hide um, or keep it a secret from your child anymore. So mm -hmm. through the availability of 23andMe, right. genetic testing like that, there's really um, only hurt, I think, that results from a child being uh, lied to when it comes to anything uh, regarding their biology or their genetics. Mm -hmm. So, but going about it in a healthy way and not just springing it on them when they're 18, for yeah. example, um, keeping that line of communication open so that they always feel comfortable talking about those people, have questions mm -hmm. that you can answer. Uh, we feel very comfortable 
with it, I'd say because of my background Mm -hmm, and a lot of experience working with children. People who may not um, have that kind of information, it's certainly something that I encourage people to look into because Mm -hmm. ultimately this is about a child that we are bringing into the world and they need to be able to be physically, emotionally, psychologically, in every way, they need to be stable. And that is our job. And in our case, our team's job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, Everybody always asks, when you're pregnant, do you have names picked out? So yes. you don't have to share, but you have boys and a, a few girls. Yes, <laughs> names we do. Picked out. Um, our names have specific meanings. Uh, if you want to look them up, there's certain lots of sites out there that can give you name meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, our boy would be Colm Townsend, and um, our girl would be Anya Helena. Oh, beautiful names. very beautiful. Nice. So and I'm sure are, as much thought was put into that as yeah. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And everyone got their uh, their say, of course, on the team. <laughs> and um, we have a little team member, too. I have to give a little shout-out to uh, Michelle's daughter. Yeah, okay. I won't give her name, but she she's three. Mm-hmm. And she has um, example of a parent who can really help a child understand this process. Michelle is excellent at doing that. And... Um, her daughter is excited. She says that we go, you know, in the grocery store, and uh, she'll just go right up to someone next to us in line, and she will explain <laughs> what's going on That's here. Neat. She's she's excited about this. You know, she <laughs> wants to read stories to baby, and she Aww. wants to play, you know, her piano to baby and her penny whistle to baby, and she talks to baby yeah. and rubs baby and uh-huh. puts lotion on baby and all of those things. So she has made this a really cool. Experience experience so we're really excited that later in her life you know we have all of this journey that we've been through together these photographs all the time we spend together getting to know another and that someday I think this will be an amazing thing Mm -hmm. for her to have said that she experienced not just one but two surrogacies with her mom the triplets first and then about 18 months later our baby so thank you to the little one, the little toddler, <laughs> who um, when people give Michelle a strange look when she says she's a surrogate, she just simply says, um, my mommy has a baby in her tummy, and it's not our baby. We're just growing it. Mm. It's actually Miss uh, Brenda and Mr. Ben, my husband's name. Yeah. It's their baby. Yeah. And when it's born <laughs> it it will go home to Iowa with Miss Brenda and Mr. Ben. It's not ours. Aww. Perfectly explained. So yes. she, mm-hmm. um, Michelle, as a as a mother, has handled this amazingly and has really made her daughter a part of both of these surrogacies. But now, even the second one, as she's older, she potentially uh, will remember yeah. some of this, have some sure. memories. Yeah, because three. I mean, that's that's still yeah. And yeah. an event like this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that she can understand memorable. that. And yeah. Yeah. Well, that is so wonderful. Thank well, we you. thank you so much for sharing that beautiful story. That was just amazing. Um, well, and we look forward to seeing you guys here too. Right. We and will you guys, be here a lot. <laughs> we love the library. Yeah. Well, before we end today's podcast, we wanted to ask you if you would mind. You were, um, you um, and your husband have bar- 
been participating in our reads program which encourages expecting families to start reading before a baby arrives so you can continue after so can you share with our listeners what um, either a favorite childhood memory is of yours or a favorite book that you enjoy reading to your baby now Uh, the first book they will um, have read to them is the crown on your head by nancy tillman This book is very special to us because of the message um, of the book and also because it was given to us by their surrogate. And this is her inscription. Baby, you have a very special crown indeed. I'm certain you will shine like no other. You truly are a magnificent gift to all those around you. You are already loved by so many. Always believe in yourself, little one. Nanny shout. Oh, that's great. And that is a great book. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is so exciting. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> yes. It's not just about that book. It's because it's that book that Michelle read to our baby. We recorded and played and she played for our baby and the actual book that she wrote on, um, that she wrote a note to our baby on. And that will be their first book, and it is already packed in their suitcase, actually, um, as we get ready for um, going down. And we're going to be uh, going down on the 22nd, so a week before her due date. If it's before then, we're just jumping on a plane, so we're all ready to go already. And um, if we end up going till the 22nd, then uh, we'll be moving down there into an Airbnb and staying um, 10 days to two weeks, something like that, depending how, um, how everything goes. So I thank you very much. Um, I will say, I know this is mainly about literacy. Normally, those are the kinds of people you have speaking on your podcast. Um, children's literature is, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I've taken a lot of courses regarding children's literature. It is one of the best ways, I will say just to all people out there, one of the best ways to introduce your child to any topic. Very uh, skilled way. And there actually are some very good children's books about surrogacy. Um, Uh, that I definitely uh, would recommend. If you search them, there aren't too many of them, so the few that come up, um, I'll have to give you titles. I was just writing a note here that we'll get some titles, and I'm not sure what our collection has at this point, but uh, we would love to add some more. Definitely something we can add. Mm -hmm. And that literacy in the womb makes a difference. Um, The parents of the triplets will definitely tell you that the vo- their voices, because they lived in Europe, they clearly could not come for as many appointments as we are able to go for. So their voices um, were automatically recognized with the behavior of the infants at birth, despite the fact that they had not been with them physically uh, for any great stretch of time yet. But at birth, um, it was uh, definitely familiar books that were read, definitely reaction from the child. Um, Michelle wears a specific necklace that has a bell in it, and it is um, a tradition in some cultures, and for surrogacy, it's become a tradition. Um, you wear this bell, and the baby becomes accustomed to hearing the bell. So a surrogate wears that necklace until she gives birth, and then she gives that necklace to the intended mother, and the mother wears that so that mm-hmm. she 
um, the baby is hearing that comforting, soothing, familiar mm-hmm. sound um, when they come into your arms. So that's so cool. We can that talk on the cool. phone, and she can put the speaker up to her belly, and our baby will move. It will mm-hmm. move differently for my husband's voice than it does oh. my voice. So all the people out there who are pregnant, who have little kids, reading is so incredibly important. And uh, so definitely participate in anything here available at the library and use your local library. Many people aren't doing that as much as I think they, um, they could be. And I think that's a great um, story. Stories, great children's authors are brilliant. And they're mm-hmm. able to bring sometimes very sensitive subjects that are difficult for you maybe to explain to a child. They're able to really bring those to the surface and um, address a lot of things that maybe even you're just uncomfortable talking mm-hmm. to your child about. So keep reading, everyone. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story with you're us. Welcome. We greatly, We greatly appreciate it because... There's so many people who will benefit from that. And just even hearing it and what goes through is so hard. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. Best of luck. We um, uh, are looking forward to finding out if it's a boy or girl. Yeah. (laughs) Your little one. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe we'll have a picture or something. See what age they are when they make their first library trip and check out their first books. We'll see. Probably not going to be very old. We'll be here pretty soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.